0: With Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 52 of Connecting with Walt. I am your host and Diz Historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co host, producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well. Thank you. Spring is in the air, and so is the pollen. Everywhere I look around. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> but I'm excited. You know, I'm I'm planning my. I haven't been to Disneyland in quite a while. I'm I'm getting ready to go down there and see the new Pixar Fest. Mm, yeah, I can't. I hope that I will get the chance to see it.
1: I mean, I know I will get the chance to see it at some point, but. Uh, I hope that it's not ruined for me completely before I get the chance to see it.
0: Well, I'm just hoping you don't run out of all the different popcorn buckets that they're selling down there. <laughs> yeah, I saw the uh-huh. uh, the the Green Alien popcorn uh-huh. bucket for
1: annual pass holders only. It makes me very happy that I am currently
0: a Disneyland annual pass holder. Yeah, yeah and they have a Sully one, and they have, yeah. I think, um, there's a little... There's a sipper cup I of Mike, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you
1: have to get that, now so. lot, lots of cool stuff for Pixar Fest and uh, the the early buzz from the fireworks, seeing some of the pictures and uh, from that, just uh, I I'm very impressed with what what they're putting on for it, and mm-hmm. I don't know if Californians take for granted the amazing food that comes around with their festivals, but. I, I think there's going to be some good stuff there, too.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm impressed with some of the new food offerings. And um, there's, you know, I, I at first I wasn't really excited about this. But, you know, I like Pixar. Yeah. But I thought, oh, you know, all Pixar all the time. But it looks like they're doing a good job of this. I'm really excited to see the new floats that are coming out on the praise. Yeah. I'm thrilled the, Um. Paint the Night is coming back and with a new float and also um whatever the Pixar play parade, whatever it is that yeah. that parade yeah. is it's coming back and they have some new floats on that. So um yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. I am fun. as
1: well, for sure. I I love Pixar and uh, you know, it's I think this will obviously have more of an appeal to to people like me who are visiting for maybe they're, they're one time for the year maybe for the first time in in many years but uh, for locals they might they might get tired of it pretty quickly but you know what so be it it's it's going to be great for a lot of people out there
0: i don't know the the way that the park attendance has been i locals don't seem to be getting tired of that place yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. oh my goodness yeah <laughs> so anyway i can only imagine when um Star Wars Land opens next year. Nah, um, help us all. I know it has me very worried, but and when I'm down there too, you can. Uh, I, I don't know if connected with Walt listeners. You know, you you may know that you know there's a lot of great video that Craig and our Orlando team, our Walt Disney World team, does for. Um, You know the Walt Disney World side of the kingdom, but uh, you know out here we started our best and worst of Disneyland video series. We had Tyler on a few weeks ago, who puts those together, and I'm going to be making an appearance on that series. Yeah, take take a look um, for me out there, and of course, of course, I'm going to connect Walt to to what I'm doing for that show. As we do, yes, as we do. (laughs) So well, speaking of Disneyland. Uh, those of you tuned in last week know that we Craig and I have brought from over from our uh, Disneyland show the, my 60 Years of Disneyland series and we're going to finish it up over the course of time over here on Connecting with Walt. And last week we started 60 Years of Disneyland, the new millennium and we started, part one was 2000 and we started into the very beginning of the year 2001 uh, with all the excitement building up for Disney's California Adventure. And boy, we read all those press releases and, you know, Michael Eisner's dedication (laughs) and Barry Braverman. I thought, oh boy, I can hardly wait to get into this park. And so we're going to um, join the few hundred who were there uh, when Michael Eisner threw open the golden gates of Disney's California Adventure to see what the park offered on that beautiful February day in 2001. Let's do it. So um, Disney's California Adventure, of course, celebrates the adventure spirit and culture of the state of California into four themed lands. A Bugs Land, Golden State, um, Paradise Pier, and Hollywood Pictures Backlot. Each is divided into themed districts. The entrance to Disney's California Adventure showcases the world's largest ceramic mural of California landmarks. The entrance also features large letters spelling out the state's name, and uh, which were favorite photo opportunities for folks. Um, now, this entrance, when you step back and took a look at the whole entrance with this mosaic and these letters and then the the stylized Golden Gate Bridge in the background that we'll get into in a moment. Um, this is supposed to depict a large panoramic postcard of the state. I don't know how many people caught on to that. I did. But yeah so um i i don't know if people stepped back far enough to um figure that one out
1: oh they did they stepped all the way back and then they ended up in disneyland Disneyland. and then they just turned around (laughs) and kept kept going going.
0: yeah yes yes that that was the that is what happened to this poor park so but it was a beautiful mosaic
1: oh yeah i i wish i would have got to see that in person
0: Now, we walk through the entrance past shops into the Sunshine Plaza. Um, the monorail track is a bridge designed to look like San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge. But don't get too excited about riding the monorail to Disney's Grand Californian Hotel. hotel, downtown Disney or Disneyland there is no monorail station in California Adventure. What draws our attention to Sunshine Plaza is the sun icon, which Disneyland pass holders would call the hubcap. To counter the problem of the sun icon being backlit by the real sun because it faces north, um, tall, unsightly reflectors were constructed, which in theory were supposed to follow the sun and reflect sunlight into the sun icon. Um, it was a good. It was it was good in its concept. It yeah. Didn't work. Yeah. <clears throat> At the base of the sun icon is the wave fountain, and coins tossed in to make a wish are donated to local charities. The portal to all the major areas of Disney's California Adventure Park, the Sunshine Plaza, is also a prime location for guests to rest or catch a parade. The plaza's centerpiece is that 50-foot-tall sun sitting atop the perpetual wave fountain which glistens during the day and is lit by a dazzling spectacle of red, orange, and yellow lights at night. Now, Disneyland has a train when you enter that park and so does California Adventure, although this train doesn't go anywhere. This diesel locomotive and its coaches are called the California Zephyr and painted in the colors of the Western Pacific Railroad to reflect the Zephyr of the 1950s and 60s. The number on the cab, 804-A, was the number on the final westbound California Zephyr from Chicago when it arrived in Oakland on March 20, 1970. This California Zephyr is actually a building façade with entrances to three shops. The locomotive is the entrance to Burr Bank Ice Cream, behind it the Silver Platter Dining Car is the entrance to the Bakersfield Bakery, and at the rear of the train the Silver Crescent Vista Dome Observation Car is the side entrance to Engine Ears Toys. I'm just gonna
1: pretend that the silver platter dining car was the uh, a nod to the Brady bunch, yeah,
0: <laughs> so the Brady but okay, I should get that reference oh I that was the why.
1: that was the name of their group, the silver platters, when they performed in the variety show to try to win their their mom, the silver platter,
0: okay now I remember
1: I remember the silver platter, exactly. yeah, that's awful reference i'm so Mm -hmm. sorry
0: to everyone out there i apologize it's fine (laughs) Uh, we baby boomers appreciated it So um, across the street, you'll have to try to tie in a Partridge Family reference as we go along here.
1: Uh, I'll figure out a way.
0: (laughs) Across the street is Greetings from California, where you can find everything under the sun. And it's the quintessential Disney's California Adventure Park shopping experience, where guests can discover souvenirs, mementos, and take home lots of Disney memories. If you can't tell, I'm reading a lot of this from the brochures of the day. Um, Yeah, you even (laughs) left the trademark uh, in the script (laughs) I did I did as I just copied it right out of there Um, this shop has multiple entrances each with its own theme The front entrance is built into a large ceramic mural at the entrance to the park that we just talked about. And then after crossing beneath the Golden Gate Bridge monorail track, there's another shop entrance. And a large sign for the shop continues and, and carries forward the California postcard theme of the park entrance. And as a finishing touch, there's a giant fountain pen on the postcard theme sign. And around the corner from the side entrance, the corner entrance with four double doors is reminiscent of the streamlined modern architecture of Los Angeles in the 1930s. And on the roof of this entrance is a tower with a sphere held by three pylons designed to be a homage to the Globe Tower at Crossroads of the World on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. Now, Craig, are you imagining now, of course, what this all looks like today? Um, as Buena Vista Street. I've been trying. It is very difficult, though. Yeah. I have to be honest. <laughs> they kept quite a bit of this and um, so the entrances and all that.
1: Yeah, it it sounds it all sounds familiar, but at the same time, it's just still very difficult. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, now, Craig, if you finished your shopping, I'll let, let's explore the districts of California Adventure. So we'll stop off at the closest one. That's Hollywood Pictures Backlot. This is Hollywood as a state of mind, not as a real place, but as a backlot movie set surrounded by huge sound stages housing attractions, which give guests fun filled ways to pretend they're Hollywood celebrities. They can imagine themselves as movie starlets, character voices, or extras having lunch on a movie set. A traditional landmark water tower at the rear of the lot bears the name Hollywood Pictures Backlot. And some of the area's attractions include Superstar Limo, which is a dark ride that takes riders through a cartoony version of Hollywood, spotting some celebrities like Regis Philbin, Drew Carey, and Whoopi Goldberg. It's so funny. It's, it's, it's just a horror.
1: It's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, find the video of it on YouTube. Yes. I was so happy that uh, on social media very recently, there was, um, at least on Twitter, there was uh, a picture of the side-by-side of the Drew Carey, uh, the Drew Carey uh not animatronic, but the the figure figure, yeah, the Drew Carey mm-hmm. figure, uh with a comparison of the exact same figure that they put in Monsters Inc. Yeah, uh, that they literally just slapped on a, a suit on top the, of it. The like,
0: yellow, yeah, the yellow hazmat yeah. suits, Oh my yeah.
1: gosh, it was so funny because They're, I didn't even know that that's all they did with those figures. Yeah,
0: yeah, they did. That's all they did. So Whoopi Goldberg is down there, and oh, so yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hyperion Theater is a state-of-the-art venue that presents live stage performances. Muppet Vision 3D is a 3D show featuring um, the Muppets in 3D, (laughs) hence the name. Uh, There's the um, Disney Animation Academy, and that's of course, is a presentation on how to draw Disney characters. There's Character Close-Up, and that's a show where guests can view all Disney characters close-up. There's the Sorcerer's Workshop, and that's a presentation where guests can create their own animation. And then there's the Hollywood Backlot Stage, and that's a small stage um, that's considered uh, Disney California Adventures Performing Center. So, Craig, if you're hungry, we can sit down at your favorite soap opera setting at the ABC Television Soap Opera Bistro. You can choose to dine at the General Hospital's nurses' station in a hospital surrounded by medical decor. A portrait of Adam Chandler watches over the dining room based on the Chandler Mansion from All My Children, Where It's Always Christmas. Another dining room recreates the Landview Country Club from One Life to Live, complete with a wedding gazebo. The servers wear costumes themed to the various television shows and settings, and are also improvisational actors and actresses who draw guests into being a part of each television show as they dine. Oh, goodness gracious, uh,
1: Mr. Braverson did not deserve a job after coming <laughs> up with this one.
0: Well, this was their this was their prime time, you know, Hollywood's, you know, prime time. Uh, what is it? Fifties oh, primetime cafe. I under this yeah. was their version of it. I, I Dude, we get ate, it. We ate here. <laughs> Why? Carol was in. These were all her soap operas: <laughs> General yeah. Hospital and One Life to Live. She was in Hog Heaven. Yeah, my and mom the, was more of a guiding light type of uh, person. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, because I, I learned that people that watch soap operas, they're they're loyal to a network. Yes, yes. And Carol was ABC. Oh is. goodness. And um and then uh and and there was a lot more to this. There was a whole lot more to general hospital than just this. But yeah, all this action was going on around us and and our children were young and and we're just sitting there. We have no idea what's going on. I'm, and um you know, but Carol enjoyed it. I'm stunned. Yeah. It didn't last long. (laughs) Uh, Now let's wander over to the Bountiful Valley Farm, which celebrates California's role as the nation's number one producer of farm products and is whimsically themed to a bug's land. This is covering two and a half acres. The farm is planted with a colorful variety of flowers and is decorated with playful sculptures depicting the stars of a bug's life. It also features the Ugly Bug Ball stage show with Flick and Atta, Caterpillar Tractors, a water play irrigation station, the P.T. Flea Market, uh, which was a a little tiny shopping area, and favorite foods at the Bountiful Valley Farmers Market. This was reportedly Michael Eisner's favorite district in the park. I think he liked the um, Caterpillar Tractors. Sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah. So um, now let's go check out the Golden State District. This celebrates the adventurous heritage of California and the immigrants who came looking for the Golden Dream. Golden State features five themed areas, including Condor Flats, Grizzly Peak Recreation Area, the Golden Vine Winery, Pacific Wharf, and the Bay Area. Now, Condor Flats is a high desert test pilot's landing field with weathered hangars left over from man's first attempts to break the sound barrier. The one attraction here is Soarin' Over Californian, which guests soar and swoop over famous California landmarks. This one attraction was popular. In this park. <laughs> so, um, grizzly Peak Recreation Area is a granite mountaintop shaped by nature like the head of a growling grizzly bear, and it rises 110 feet over a high Sierra landscape with pine and snow covered slopes of the Grizzly River Run, the world's highest, longest, and fastest Russian river raft ride. Uh, Grizzly Peak serves as the icon for Disney's California adventure on the new Disneyland Resort logo. Wait, so was this not popular when it opened? This this was popular. But okay, Sorne was like Soren was like the breakout. Oh page. yeah, no. Soren's a superstar. And, yeah, and California's screaming. Yeah, I can and imagine. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Redwood Creek Challenge Trail is a play area for youngsters, um, featuring a Mount Shasta wilderness-like setting and suspension and wire bridges. It also has rock climbing and a brother bear scene cave. Adventurous adults can also enjoy this area. Uh, The centerpiece of the Bay Area is a 45-foot-tall replica of the rotunda of San Francisco's Palace of Fine Arts within a beautifully landscaped garden beside Paradise Bay. A 14 by 100 foot mural lining the colonnade introduces the themes, characters, and stories of the Golden Dreams attraction. And Golden Dreams is a 22 minute motion picture housed in a 350 seat theater that tells the story of California through the eyes of her immigrants. The film features actress Whoopi Goldberg as the legendary Calafia, Queen of California. And this was actually a pretty good film.
1: Yeah, I've I've only heard from people who had the opportunity to see it that they are they're deeply upset that it's it's no longer around.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was well done. I had a hard time. I never imagined Calafia as Whoopi Goldberg, so that was a little tough for me. But um, otherwise, it, it, I thought <laughs> I mean, it was pretty well done. I mean, it's understandable. <laughs> yeah. Um, because Calafia, of course, we learned about her and she was more of a uh you know, growing up in California, she was more of a, a leader of Amazon women, you know, this legendary tribe. And 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 somehow, um I don't know, Whoopi Goldberg just didn't Yeah, I wouldn't I didn't imagine Whoopi Goldberg no. with that. So, um, anyway, the Golden Vine Winery is in a vineyard of 350 growing grapes and a mission-style building. Guests can learn about the winemaking process, enjoy fine dining, and taste wines in this first pressing of Napa Valley culture. And then there's the Seasons of the Vine Theater, and it features a film about California's wine country, which actually is an interesting film. Um Let's cross over to the Pacific Wharf District. That features two factory-style tours. The Mission Tortilla Factory, a clo- which was a close-up look on tortilla production. They had these cute little, like, diorama things that you looked in. Hmm. And then the bakery tour was a presentation on how sourdough bread is made and about the Boudin Bakery. And you got samples oh. in both of these, which I was nice.
1: Gotta get that samples of sourdough bread. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then this leads us to Paradise Pier. Here are electrifying experiences from the glory days of California seaside amusement piers when they were magnets for sun-seeking and fun-loving kings, movie stars, and crowds of thrill-seekers. Now, some of the area's attractions include California Screamin', one of the fastest steel roller coasters in the United States, and it's modeled after a traditional boardwalk wooden roller coaster. The Malibu Boomer, that's a drop ride that launches 180 feet in 4 seconds. The Sunwheel, that's a Ferris wheel ride with both swinging and stationary gondolas. Mulholland Madness, and this is a Wild Mouse style roller coaster and it was sort of themed to Los Angeles' Mulholland Drive. The orange stinger. This, These are swings that revolve around a giant orange. You could almost smell the oranges. Actually you could. They had the Smellitzers in there that would squirt out orange scent. Hmm. There's um, the Golden Zephyr. It's a spinner ride offering a similar experience as Dumbo the Flying Elephant and the Astro Orbiter across the Esplanade in Disneyland. There was King's Triton Carousel. and There's a little carousel that had sea creatures. Uh, as as its animals Jumpin' Jellyfish was a mini drop ride and the SS Restworthy this was a play area for youngsters and it was themed to an old grounded steamship and then there were the games of the boardwalk these were boardwalk-like games of chance similar to games found at state and county fairs for which you um, there, was, there was an extra charge of well,
1: course see for some reason I thought when they started to redo the area I mean I obviously knew that the Malibu uh, got the axe but i i could have swore that there was more things that actually got taken away but I guess that's not the case
0: no it got a lot of it just got rethemed yeah hmm. so but it's all still there and it's getting rethemed again yeah exactly <laughs> so. now before leaving the park well so first of all what do you think so far of all of these districts of the brand new disney's california adventure Craig man just
1: such a mishmash, all over the place. Honestly, it's the the two things that stick out for me is like interesting are the Golden State District, sorry, Golden State District, as well as Paradise Pier, and I mean those are still those areas are two of my favorite parts of the park still to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I understand why they were successful, uh, yeah. and. You know, I, I don't think you have to say much more about Hollywood Pictures backlot. We've already yeah. said, and there there's no point in in talking anything at all about A Bug's Land because I'm sure we'll be doing a tribute episode to it very soon here. <laughs> but yeah, I, and, and the one that we know as A Bugsland
0: hasn't even been built yet.
1: Yeah, exactly. But so. it's you know it's it, the park definitely had issues. But I will say. Back in 2001, when this opened up, I I desperately wanted to get back out to California, to to see all of this, and I, I am grateful that at the one hand that I didn't get to see it because I only I only know of California Adventure is from that first trip as an adult getting to see it as the perfect park, but at a, deep down I still. Still kinda wish I could have at least got one day to go Mm -hmm. inside and and see how much of a mess this place was.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was it was surprising when we first went into it. Um it was funny because because I always I always thought this would have been I think it would have been very successful in Orlando in in a, it, it felt like it was in Orlando park where the yeah. attractions were spread out and there were a lot of dining venues and things like that i, I think if of course we copied half the attractions from you know Orlando over yeah. oh. but it, it had that feel to it I agree. Whereas, yeah. whereas, you know, Disneyland, you know, one of the things people say it's very intimate is because everything's like right on top of each other. You leave the – when you exit an attraction, you're in the queue for the one next to it. Yeah. You know, it's a boom, boom, boom. And um, so, and, and maybe – so I think that the expectations just weren't set.
1: Yeah, and I, I understand how it wasn't super unique, especially with a lot of the off-the-shelf attractions mm-hmm. in Paradise Pier – you know, it, I I love California Screamin'. I will love the, the next iteration of it involving the Incredibles, but I've never been to Magic Mountain. But I know for a fact that you could go to Magic Mountain and there's probably at least five coasters there that are better mm-hmm. than California Screamin'. And I know over at Knott's Berry Farm... There's at least two roller coasters that are better than California Screamin'. So, it, when you know, if you're gonna build off the shelf stuff like that, it, it's gotta be impressive. It's gotta be something to wanna draw you in, um, not just say, oh, well, you know, I could go there and do these, or I could go to these other parks that are also in California mm-hmm. close by and cost a lot less money to go to and have these. Awesome, awesome
0: rides, but
1: yeah, I, it, it was a tough time.
0: It was. <laughs> it really was for this park. Now, before leaving the park, we can't miss Disney's California Adventures Daytime Parade called Disney's Eureka, a California parade. And Eureka celebrates the various cultures of California and it's also the name of the deity who appears throughout the parade and she changes the match the theme of each parade unit the parade plays the song come away with me um, with each unit uh, playing a variation of the song so the center of the sun icon at the start of the parade plays the main song then there's an aztec inspired bird headdressed essence of hispanic culture and in this one the um or Hispanic California, I should say, and this song is sung in both English and Spanish. Then the next unit is the Angel of the City of Angels, that's Los Angeles, and this song is sung as a rap. Then the next unit is sun-worshipping beach beauty of the beach scene and there's an instrumental beach rock cover. Then there's the Chinese opera goddess of Chinatown, and that's the instrumental Chinese cover. And then we have the golden goddess of the Golden State for the finale. And that's a combination of the opening Hispanic and Los Angeles um, units. And I actually enjoyed this parade. I liked it. It was very different. Um, On paper, it, it sounds cool. Yeah, it didn't have any, you know, Disney characters in it. But I I thought it was unique and different. So um, I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, the only thing that is kind of throwing me off is the the rap part. (laughs) But other than that, it it does sound cool.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we're very street here in California. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, now guests as we've been alluding to guests simply weren't interested in what california adventure had to offer and most considered it a half-day park at best a disney imagineer and sculptor blaine gibson said i'm not saying this to defame mike eisner but he came up with california adventure right adjacent to disneyland people went in there and they'd say no i want to go back to disneyland my feeling is that disneyland had heart Walt and the people who chose to work on it, everybody put their hearts into what they did. And a lot of the other kinds of parks are done by people who do it professionally, but they don't have that same intense feeling about it. uh, several quick-fix solutions were added to the park to try uh, to help before um, new major attractions could be added. One of the first was bringing the Main Street Electrical Parade out of retirement. This beloved Disneyland parade had glowed away from Disneyland in 1997 and returned to light up the pathways of California Adventure on July 2nd to honor the first summer of the park and in an attempt to keep guests from crossing the esplanade into Disneyland after sunset. The Main Street Electrical Parade was only marginally successful at this. Another quick fix was the construction of a soundstage for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Play It, which opened on September 13th. Guests played a real game of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, except with points instead of dollars. Including the 10 players in the Ring of Fire, which includes video screens, down on the stage, the entire audience can play the fastest finger game in which players have to put certain items in order, such as put these American cities in order from east to west. Unfortunately, this attraction opened two days after the attacks against the United States on September 11th, which significantly affected tourism. To make it worse, the ratings were on a decline for the television version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Disney's California Adventure marked the end of Michael Eisner's Disney decade of hit after hit. The park's failure to live up to Disney standards for theming, popularity, and income fueled criticism of Disney management from fans and critics outside the company as well as from many influential persons within. Disney's marketing and explanation for California Adventure wasn't helped when Tokyo Disney Sea opened to rave reviews later in 2001, eventually, winning multiple theme park insider awards as the world's best theme park. <sighs> In all of 2001, Disney's California Adventure welcomed only 5 million visitors, just over one-third of those who attended Disneyland in its in its first year. And of those that did visit Disney's California Adventure, only 20% surveyed said they were satisfied with their experience. That is a
1: great approval rating.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just what you want. The the embarrassing failure of Disney's California Adventure, dropping ratings for the ABC television networks, and other problems within the Walt Disney Company contributed to a public split between Walt Disney's nephew Roy E. Disney and Michael Eisner, which contributed to Eisner's exit as CEO in 2005. Not all the action was happening in the former Disneyland parking lot, though. Over at Disneyland, the Walt Disney Story featuring Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln reopened on July 17th with a new story, The Journey to Gettysburg. This version focused on the American Civil War, although it still retained the name The Walt Disney Story featuring Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. In the pre-show, guests were introduced to American Civil War photographer Matthew Brady, and they assumed the role of a fictitious Union soldier named John Cunningham. They then entered the main theater, where they wore special headphones with binaural sound technology to give guests the sensation that the action was taking place all around them. In the show, Cunningham met Brady in his photography studio, received a haircut, went back to battle, and was eventually wounded. He then met President Abraham Lincoln and attended the Gettysburg Address in person. At this point, the curtains opened to reveal Lincoln standing on the stage to deliver the address. As Lincoln gave the address, the background behind him changed from a normal day to a sky at dawn. Closing the show was a rendition of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. As the music was played, the background changed to form the American flag. As Lincoln sat down in his chair, a painting of the statue located at the Lincoln Memorial covered the night sky. And at this point, the curtains began to descend and the 12-minute program ended. For this show, the Paul Fries and Royal Dano recordings were replaced by Corey Burton, who voiced Matthew Brady, and Warren Burton, who provided the voice of Lincoln. The set was also redone. The background curtains as well as the replica of the US Capitol's rotunda were removed. The chair where Lincoln sat down was replaced with a small wooden chair. The small pillars behind the chair were also removed and replaced with plants and flowers. The large pillars from the previous versions of the show still remained. The Lincoln audio-animatronic figure was also given an upgrade. Its beard was longer to match with Lincoln's old age. It was also given a pair of eyeglasses as well as a short-sized paper. The main theater was also given a small refurbishment with both side walls featuring portraits of Civil War soldiers. The show was not well-received by guests. <laughs> um, th- did you ever see this version? Oh, great no, Mr. Lincoln.
1: I don't believe I did. I mean, parts of it sound similar, but no, I don't think so
0: it was very gimmicky and um i was very happy when this went away
1: yeah it's i i can understand so it's it's you know when you're handling a subject like lincoln you you have to really watch
0: he's very beloved yeah Now, Rancho de Zocalo opened in Frontierland on February 6th. It was formerly the Casa Mexicana and before that, Casa de Fritos. Rancho de Zocalo means Ranch of the Square, and the word Zocalo does have a history at Disneyland. The open area at the entrance to Frontierland used to be called El Zocalo or Town Square. On January 21st, Disneyland guests were disappointed by the closing of Frontierland's Big Thunder Barbecue. Christmas has become a big business at Disneyland with its elaborate decorations, special festivities, and the popular It's a Small World Holiday Overlay. The Walt Disney Entertainment creative team began looking at other attractions and their potential for having holiday overlays and began developing ideas for the Haunted Mansion in New Orleans Square. On October fifth, two 2001, the Haunted Mansion Holiday, based on 1993's The Nightmare Before Christmas Opened. And if you'd like to learn more about the history of this holiday favorite, you'll want to listen to my episode about the Haunted Mansion um, holiday on the Disunplug Podcast Disneyland Edition from November 19th, 2017. And we'll have a link to that episode in our show notes. On September 9th, the Country Bears played their last hoedown and were evicted from their playhouse to make way for another bear. Curiously, Walt Disney Pictures had the Country Bears film in production based on the attraction. When the film opened in 2002, the Disneyland attraction was gone. Ah, oh, so much for synergy. I don't think it would have mattered,
1: anyways. <laughs> it's 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 not very often where I say I don't like a Disney movie, and it's it never, never, ever, ever happened where I said I disliked anything involving Country Bears. Except for the movie Country Bears,
0: <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, it wasn't—it wasn't one of their
1: stellar films. You're be, now you're the one who's being too nice about it.
0: <laughs> so now, for many of our listeners, any mention of 2001 brings back memories of September 11th and the terrorist attacks against the United States on the World Trade Center. The the Pentagon and the passenger takeover takeover of United Flight 93 over Pennsylvania before the terrorists could reach their intended target. When the attack began that Tuesday morning, Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure had not yet opened to guests. About that day, the Orange County Register wrote, Southern California theme parks closed Tuesday, fearful of becoming targets following terrorist attacks on the East Coast. Downtown Disney was also closed Tuesday and ringed by guards. Other closures included Knott's Berry Farm in Buena Park, Universal Studios in Universal City, Legoland in Carlsbad, and San Diego SeaWorld. It's the first time Disneyland has had an unscheduled closure since the assassination of President Kennedy in 1963, although Disneyland and Knott's do occasionally close during bad weather. Guests at Disney's hotels said that they couldn't get flights home because the nation's airports were closed. They couldn't rent a car and leave because car rental agencies were either closed or only renting for local travel. Later in the day, some, such as Avis, began renting cars. So children hugged Chip and Dale at the Storyteller Cafe at the Grand Californian Hotel, and Disney offered free movies, It's Tough to Be a Bug and Father of the Bride. Despite the cool day, some wandered into the pool. Others walked around Anaheim, stunned and unsure what to do. Security guards and staff lined and patrolled the Disneyland Resort, not letting in anyone who wasn't a hotel guest. People coming to the Grand Californian had to show identification. No one was allowed near the theme parks as lines of security guards blocked access. Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure were swept for bombs by specially trained dogs. When the parks reopened, Security in the parks was increased in several ways, seen and unseen, by guests. On September 12th, guests entering the parks had to have their bags searched first, a practice that continues today. A uniformed police presence outside and inside the parks was also increased. Anaheim police cars were parked outside the entrances to the Disneyland Resort, and for the first time, uniformed officers were seen by guests inside the parks. On the Friday after the attacks, the president asked the country to observe a moment of silence, and Disneyland participated, as well as Reuters reported. Observing a moment of silence on Friday, in keeping with a request to the nation by President George W. Bush, the country's best-known theme park shut down its ride shows and music as guests on Main Street turned to face flags and sing God Bless America. One reported change that did not happen was a name change for Disney California Adventure's version of the Tower of Terror. On September 21st, the Orange County Register reported, Anaheim Disney has started construction on a Tower of Terror ride at its new California Adventure theme park. The ride is like the popular Twilight Zone Tower of Terror ride at Disney World in Florida, built in 1994. However, because of the terrorist attacks on New York's World Trade Center towers last week, the Anaheim version of the ride will be called something different. Since 9-11, U.S. flags have been ordered to have staff to honor the fallen. President Bush ordered all U.S. flags back to full stage on September 23rd. Disneyland commemorated the event with a ceremony hosted by CEO Michael Eisner and Disneyland President Cynthia Harris. Also in the ceremony to sing God Bless America was Disneyland entertainer Eden Espinoza who would go on to become a well-known stage, film, and television actress. The September 11 terrorist attacks significantly reduced international travel and created a worldwide recession. The Walt Disney Company enacted 800 expense-saving measures in the hope of saving up to $250 million. This included layoffs and a freeze in hiring and salaries. One of the cost-cutting measures at Disneyland was the closing of the Sleeping Beauty Walkthrough on October 7th for refurbishment. Sleeping Beauty Walkthrough eventually dropped off the refurbishment list and its sign was removed from its castle entrance. Disneyland executives never announced a permanent closing and never provided an official reason. There was widespread speculation on Disney internet fan sites that the real reason for the closure was over security concerns. Despite the attacks of 9-11, 13.3 million guests visited the Disneyland Resort in 2001. Thanks in part to the opening of Disney's California Adventure, the Grand Californian Resort and Spa, and Downtown Disney. So join us next time when we continue our series 60 Years of Disneyland by taking a look at the years 2003 through 2005. Well, here we are. We're at that point in the show. I know. It, I, I know it's your favorite, Craig. It's it's this day in Disney history quiz, and this time we're here at the week of April twenty first, and and we're welcoming back the beleaguered but chipper Tyler Crouch. I'm back. <laughs> you are back, boy. You're you're a fighter. Um, I, I won't let go.
2: I, I won't stop until <laughs> until this 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 this. I don't
0: even know. I was going to call him a menace, but he's not a menace. He's a nice guy no. until
1: uh, he's, till he's stopped. Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and Tyler, of course, is is my colleague uh, uh, as part of the West Coast team of the Diz Unplugged. So, you know, we, we visit um, Walt's original kingdom, you know, in here, you know, because as, as you know, Craig um, is part of the Walt Disney World Kingdom out there, so it's nice to have someone from my team, you know, here on, on the Connecting with Walt West Coast you Nice know. to be here, so, thank you for having yeah, me You're welcome, well I know you know the rules, Tyler, but for our, our friends who might be new to the show um, the, the rules for this day in Disney history quiz, you know, we, this is about all things Disney we test the knowledge of Craig and, and Tyler to see what how good is their knowledge about what's going on in the world of Disney theme parks, Disney music, Disney films, Disney history, the world of Walt, whatever might have happened during this week. So um, if you uh, choose not to hear the multiple choice answers, you will receive three points for a correct answer. If I give you the multiple choice answers, you will get two points for a correct answer. If I take away an incorrect answer, you get one point if you answer it correctly. Or if your opponent gets the incorrect answer you can answer it correctly for one point for our friends at home play along but um, no googling binging yayhooing or, or whatever else is out there so okay are both you boys ready to roll here oh yeah now I think that I am hmm. okay all right roll out. okay like Tyler sorry <laughs> 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 that that's another franchise. Okay, Sorry. Um, okay, Tyler, um, as our our guest, would you like to receive the first answer or gift it to Craig? You know what? I'm just <laughs> I have to take the first uh, the
2: first question again. Okay, just yeah, you know, Sounds I haven't good. won one yet, so it's
0: got to happen this time, right? Right, that's right. Yeah, this is it. I I I just you know i feel the pixie dust is upon you this time around okay all right felt a tingle i didn't know it was pixie dust (laughs) all right okay so it's april 21st in a press release on april 21st 2008 the walt disney company makes a major announcement what is it
2: Uh, I think it could be one of two things, but I'm going to have to do the multiple
0: choice. All right. Is it A? The Disney MGM Studios would be renamed Disney Hollywood Studios. B. A deal to acquire Marvel Entertainment for $4.24 billion. C. Brent Iwen would be the next voice of Mickey Mouse after the passing of Wayne Allwine or D, the launch of the Disney Nature production banner? April 21st, 2008.
2: 2008. So, I think, and one of the things you said was one of the two choices that was bopping through my head before we did the multiple choices, but I could be incredibly wrong about this. It's, it's hard for me to get my time straight sometimes, but I'm going to go with the
0: Marvel deal. Okay. All right, final answer. Yeah. Okay, that was actually 2009. So, uh, all righty. Craig, would you like to take a try at this one?
1: Yeah, and I'm going to be... It makes no sense because I feel like it would be announced the very next day, but I'm going to say the the logo for Disney nature even though it would make more sense the next day
0: on Earth Day Right, that was that was the hint. It was that's right. In a press release, Disney announces the launching of Disney Nature, a prestigious new production banner that will literally go to the ends of the earth to produce major big screen nature documentaries. And in the tradition of the old true life adventure series, the first film to be released domestically under Disney Nature will be Earth in April two thousand and nine. Wait, was I right? You were right. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> you you didn't get that out of all that. Huh?
1: <laughs> no, I mean you, usually you don't you don't explain it when we get it wrong. But I,
0: <laughs> I had to ask that. So, <laughs> anyway. Yep, you got it right. Yeah, that Earth Day date there. What was it okay? A good series. Okay, all right, Craig. Now to you. Your question for April twenty second. Walt Disney reaches out to the world at this event. On April 22nd, 1964, what is this event? Multiple choice. Okay, said, A, the opening of the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. B, the debut of a limited series of episodes from the Wonderful World of Disney television series in the United Kingdom, France, Italy, and Japan. C. The announcement of the premiere dates of four feature length films, all set in Europe The Three Lives of Thomasina, The Moon Spinners, Mary Poppins, and Emile and the Detectives. D. The appointment of Disneyland's first ambassador, Julie Reem, who will begin a worldwide tour promoting the 10th anniversary of Disneyland.
1: I. Am going to go with um. Hmm. You know what? I'm I'm willing to just take a bold move and lose a point on it. I'm gonna go with D.
0: The appointment of Disneyland's first ambassador. Yeah. That is incorrect. Yeah. Okay, Tyler. Well, so that was my favorite answer. So, hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. While Disney reaches out to the world, this event on April twenty second, nineteen sixty four, was at the opening of the 64-65 New York World's Fair, a debut of a limited series of episodes in the Wonderful World of Disney television series, um, or in in United Kingdom, France, Italy, and Japan, or the announcement of the premiere dates of four feature length films all set in Europe.
2: Well, I'm sorry, what was the first one one more time?
0: The opening of the 1964-65 New York World's Fair.
2: Right. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, you're so good at writing these answers, Michael. Um, they just they all sound so plausible every single time. Um, which I guess is the point, right? Exactly. <laughs> Um, But I'm going to have to... I mean, the one that just stands out to me is, is A, the World's Fair. So I'm just going to have to go with that okay, one.
0: Okay, and you are correct. The World's Fair in Flushing, New York is opened by U.S. President Johnson for the 64th season. The fair features over 100 pavilions on approximately 646 acres. The fair also includes four Disney attractions for Ford, General Electric, Pepsi-Cola, and the State of Illinois. An opening day ceremony takes place with a special parade that includes several Disney characters such as Mickey Mouse, Pinocchio, and Alice in Wonderland. Um, On a VIP observation deck above It's a Small World, located in the Pepsi Pavilion, Disney representatives, including designer and artist Mary Blair, celebrate the team who has put together the exhibit from scratch in just nine months. And despite it being a rainy day, some 92,000 people visit the fair that day. Wow.
1: See, I just figured that was too obvious to be a correct answer but hey, see and that's why <laughs> that's
2: yeah that's that's why I brought up the answers because I was like you know I mean that that one sounds so obvious like you said Craig but it's just
0: I don't know it was the one that just really yep.
2: spoke to me That's yeah.
0: right That's right sometimes the obvious is the correct one All right okay Tyler here you go you can pull ahead cuz it's one to one Let's do it. Okay. Um what classic Disneyland Attraction opened on April twenty-third, nineteen fifty-seven? Um I'm gonna have to do multiple choice. Okay, is it A Alice in Wonderland, B Midget Utopia, C Mike Finn Keelboats, or D TWA Rocket to the Moon?
2: That didn't make it that much easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see fifty seven so you have
0: to figure out which of these yeah. were opening day attractions, which of these I know yeah that's
2: that's the really tough part is figuring out which ones were were there with the park and and which weren't but it I don't think it was the keel boats, but watch that was probably it, huh. Um, <laughs> um. Can I get the answers again one more time? Sure.
0: It's A, Alice in Wonderland, B, Midget Utopia, C, Mike Finn Keelboats, or D, TWA Rocket to the Moon.
2: Well, 57. I, I don't think that... You know what? I'm going to have to go with...
0: Um, a, A is my final answer. Alice in Wonderland, that classic yeah. 1958 attraction. Okay, nope, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, Craig, to you. I, uh, so I'll is go is with it? um
1: I'll go with midget Autopia for the steal. And that is correct. Ah, oh, that
0: was like
2: i uh, i was yeah. going with
0: that one and then i turned at the last moment see Sorry. see you gotta go with <sighs> your go with your first feeling there it yeah. is the third and smallest utopia track following the Tomorrowland Utopia in 1955 and the Junior Utopia in Fantasyland in 1956. The Midget Utopia is located right next to the Storybookland Canal Boats is for very young guests who are too small to ride the other Utopia attractions. It will close in April 1966 to make room for It's a Small World and be donated to Walt Disney's boyhood home of Marceline, Missouri. Yeah, and I mean... I was at
1: an advantage for that because uh, Michael and I have talked about the midget Utopia at least three different occasions now, I think, on Connecting with
0: Walt. So Mm -hmm. it's burned in the brain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Alrighty. Okay. April 24th, Craig. What Disney television series premiered on April 24th, 1989? Hmm. Mm,
1: do I want to be bold? No, I'll do multiple choice.
0: Okay, is it A, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, B, Ducktales, C, The New Mickey Mouse Club, or D, Tailspin? I, my initial guess that I was gonna do.
1: Uh, wow, that is great grammar, Craig. Uh, my initial guess, <laughs> without needing multiple choice, was going to be Chippendale Rescue Rangers, so I'm going to just stick
0: with that. Okay, you were very close. That debuted a little earlier on March 4th. So, hmm. okay, Tyler, here you go. It is. Um, it is now to you. It, it was the. DuckTales, the new Mickey Mouse Club, or Tailspin? Premiere on April 24th, 1989. You know, if Rescue
2: Rangers was happening around that time, I would have to assume that Tailspin couldn't have been long. You know, they must have been around the same time.
0: So I'm going to have to go Tailspin. Okay. Tailspin was 1990. Yeah, Mickey Mouse Club, right? It's the Mickey Mouse Club. Damn. MMC, also known as the all new Mickey Mouse Club. It debuted on Disney Channel with host Fred Newman. This show is a mix of live skits, recorded comedy, and songs. The Mouseketeers perform their own version of the popular songs live and in music videos. Today is Music Day, um, was the first, uh, was the premiere. Um, the cast over the years will include future stars like singer Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Goddard and Christina Aguilera and Carrie Russell and members of NSYNC. Anyway, okay. Uh, Tyler, this is yours. April 25th, 1998. Time Magazine features an article titled Do You Believe in Magic? Who appeared on the magazine's cover? Um... I'm going to have to do the multiple choice. I, I have no clue. Okay. All right. A is Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck, and Goofy. B, Snow White, Cinderella, Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, Mickey Mouse, and Jiminy Cricket. C, Michael Eisner, Frank Wells, and Roy E. Disney. Or D, Michael Eisner and Mickey Mouse. And this is April 25th,
2: 1998. Okay. I think I'm going to go with D. Michael Michael. Eisner and Mickey Mouse, because that just sounds like that time period sounds very obvious, but I'm just going for it, Michael. Let's dive in.
0: Well, and you know what? You you made a big splash with that dive. That is correct. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) So, hey, you have pulled ahead. What? I did it? Three to two. Oh, man. What a day. That is. Uh, That's it. Uh, Enjoy this moment. I
2: finally won one. I get to. I got to knock one out of the park on my final. My final episode well, here.
0: That's right.
1: Don't we have? Do we, is that the it, or do we still have like a couple more questions? Oh no! Yeah, you have like three more questions. That's what I thought. Oh. But but
0: we're just savoring this moment. <laughs> okay, I, I just wanted to pretend I was winning for a second, Craig. Just just let me take it. It's, it's okay. all good. It's good. <laughs> yes you know joy can be fleeting (laughs) okay all right okay craig this one's for you oh here we go okay april 26th this disney henson production debuted on april 26th 1991 one more time with the question please this Disney Henson production debuted on April 26th, 1991. It is not Muppets in Liberty Square. <laughs> um, <laughs> hmm. I
1: don't
2: well, know this.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's only... I only have one guess for it, and that's Muppet Vision 3D
0: is that your final answer yeah I'll, I'll go bold on it I don't want okay. the multiple choice okay. bold can be beautiful but not in this case that is <laughs> incorrect okay. okay Tyler over to you you said you might know this is it um, the ABC television series Dinosaurs Bear in the Big Blue House or Muppet Treasure Island since you're stealing it I can give you the answer that sucks <laughs>
2: well, now see that that that's funny to me because I still don't really know it based on that. But even though Craig is like, "Oh, I absolutely yeah, know it." Yeah, simple is it. now. Oh boy, okay. 1991. Um it couldn't have been it must have been It couldn't have been the bear in the big blue house. I feel like that came later. Um It could What was the first one one more time? Um, The
0: ABC television series, Dinosaurs. I I think it must be Dinosaurs. And you are correct. You are correct. The Disney Henson television series, Dinosaurs, debuted on ABC. It's based on an idea by Jim Henson. The show features the live-action combination of audio, animatronic, and puppets. Only the second show to feature this technique. For folks who don't know, it's about a family of anthropomorphic prehistoric creatures. Um... Dinosaurs is produced by Michael Jacobs Production and Jim Henson Productions in association with Walt Disney Television. I love this show. It was
2: great. It was one of mm-hmm. the most savage endings to a television show ever, though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah. Think about how the dinosaurs ended and you can think about yeah, how the show yeah, that, ended. Yeah, that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> we well, you know, um, I know Terry Harden, who was the puppeteer for Baby. Oh, that's, oh, that's cool. 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 Yeah, cool. yeah. Did they See, do did, the voices too? So um. No, they, did, they had other actors, voice actors okay. for that. Okay, I didn't know how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Tyler, hey, you are on a roll four to two. You've pulled here out ahead go. here. Okay, April 27th, here you go. This Disney theme park attraction closed on April 27th, 2001. Okay.
2: I'm pretty sure I know what it is. But I've said that multiple times tonight, (laughs) and I've been completely wrong.
0: So let's go with the multiple choice. I, I have an idea, though. All right. Is it A, the Main Street Electrical Parade at the Magic Kingdom of Walt Disney World? B, Doug Live at the Disney MGM Studios? C, the Country Bear Jamboree at Disneyland? Or D, Rocket Rods at Disneyland? so you said one of them that i was
2: thinking so i'm just gonna go with it and i once you said these multiple choices though like again you're very good at the at coming up with these answers but i am still sticking with my original thought which is d rocket rods
0: that's correct disneyland's rocket rods isn't it This attraction was the centerpiece of New Tomorrowland when the Realm got a $100 million facelift in 1998. It closed forever. Although it was really closed since September 2000 for a refurbishment that was to last until spring 2001, no work was actually ever seen on the attraction. Uh, Despite efforts by designers and mechanics, the Rocket Rods was plagued with problems this is basically a faster version of the people mover um, but they just finally closed her down on April 27, 2001 so there you go 6 to 2 Craig, oh my yeah. okay. we, oh boy, well I had to make up for the other uh, the other ones <laughs> yeah, okay okay, so Craig well here you go, yep one one final question here so you can come close um, Mickey Mouse appeared in New York City for this event on april twenty eighth two thousand and twelve
1: that i'm gonna say the i'm I'm just gonna be bold and guess I think that would be the gosh i I, I think I'm gonna be completely wrong on this and embarrass myself the inauguration of the Disney
0: dream you are correct well wow. yeah, yeah that's it um very bold and beautiful Craig I so uh, <laughs> I know yep. people who were on that cruise and I know it was around that time period yeah so yeah so and um, well. Yeah, Mickey Mouse appears at Yankee Stadium to mark the official welcome of the Disney Cruise Line in New York City. Uh, Disney Cruise Line sponsors this day's game to celebrate its first ever sailing out of New York City. A uh, Disney sponsorship includes 100 tickets donated to the Boys and Girls Club, whilst the first 10,000 guests receive branded waterproof beach wallets. A guess who cruised with the Disney Cruise Line on its New York City itineraries? Will sail out of Manhattan. Wasn't the dream? It was the Disney magic. That but was the the magic. Right yeah. Yeah. It was the magic track. Yeah, I knew
1: it was the yeah,
0: yeah. But Wait, I I does knew. That count it, then?
1: Yeah, Eight, <laughs> we're gonna count. It. <laughs> Technically, it doesn't. I wasn't gonna win anyway, so yeah,
0: the, the first ship in the Disney Cruise Line fleet. So. So anyway, very good, Tyler. Congratulations, you won this round. I finally did it, and thank you, uh, Craig. Craig, You were an
2: outstanding opponent. Oh, uh,
1: thank you, thank you. Yeah, you you
2: whoop my butt.
0: Yeah, but but still, still, you are very respect respectable in this, and we do want, we don't want you to go without a lovely parting gift, and of course, that is a, a year's supply of Johnson's Bravo floor wax, so brilliantly tough, you can wash it with detergents yes that's exactly what i needed i don't know how you guys read my mind but that's what i was going to costco tomorrow for so thank there you There you go. i love you all <laughs> thank you so much tyler we've really enjoyed having you on connecting with walt and it's I'll been look, really fun yeah i'll look forward to seeing you the next time i'm in disneyland
2: oh yeah definitely we got to get together <laughs> yeah um, it's Absolutely. been really fun and thank you for having me i'll i'll come back
0: anytime yeah, great. We'll, we'll we'll look forward to having you back. And and that's it for this week. Um this week in Disney History Quiz, we will have a new contestant to test uh, Craig's wit and knowledge next week. <laughs> And many books, films, articles, interviews, and lectures were sourced for this episode of 60 Years of Disneyland, including The Disneyland Story, The Unofficial Guide to the Evolution of Walt Disney's Dream by Sam Genway. then the following websites, The Orange County Register, The Los Angeles Times, Disney Extinct Attractions, The Disney Parks Blog, The Disney Wiki, Laughing Place, and Yesterland. I'd also like to thank my lovely research assistant and wife, Carol Bowling, for her invaluable work locating the additional material I needed for this episode so Craig until next time where can our listeners connect with you on the Diz Unplugged
1: like always you can find me Tuesdays on the Walt Disney World edition Thursdays on the Universal edition uh, here there and everywhere on the Daily Fix and if you need to contact me anywhere else you can follow me on Twitter at Teleclaster as well as on instagram at the same handle telecluster what about you michael
0: <laughs> well as always you can send me messages at michael at www.info.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Instagram, I'm Michael Bowling And of course, if you want to connect with me and Craig on Twitter, go to at Connecting Walt. That is our official Connecting with Walt Twitter page. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disneyplug.com. And look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. And thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother, Roy.